All right, thanks for making it in. Thanks for braving the lines. So, to start off, hold up your hand and imagine holding a hammer in your hand. Not many of you are doing it. Come on. Pound a nail in, right? You can feel that hammer and how it, how it goes, right? That is a fantastic tool, a tool we've used as, as a society for thousands of years. But if you go to a job site today to see a home being built and they're building a wall, two by four wall, do they use a hammer? No, they use a pneumatic nail gun. Why do they do that? Because they can build a wall in minutes, which would otherwise take, you know, over an hour. My name's Brian Lewis, and today we're going to talk about EC2 Systems Manager, which is a tool, a new tool that actually will enable you to do things faster and better than you've been able to do before. And so that's what we're going to go over. As we start looking at enterprise-type applications, you've had other tools. You've had hammers that you've used before, right? Intel Landesk, uh, Microsoft System Center, um, Zenworks, Group Policy, right? All those tools, they're great tools. And you certainly you can bring them into the cloud and use them. They work just fine in AWS. The thing is, they work fine in the old methodology, the old way of doing things. And so if you've heard the analogy before, we're treating them, the servers, like houseplants, right? We take very good care of them. That's how we've traditionally taken care of servers. But as we look in cloud, a lot of times we build servers and tear them down quickly in a, in a short period of time. And so we talk about treating servers like fields of wheat. Now, traditional servers don't handle that well, and some applications don't handle that well. But if we are treating them that way, these tools that we've used in the past don't work so well. Matter of fact, we've asked customers, what do you think? And you guys have told us. You know, those traditional tools, you know, let's, let's look at some of them. Anybody use group policy? Okay, good. How long does it take for you to feel your, man your servers managed? You build it, add it to the tree, and then it's, it's managed? Could you go and do whatever you want to that thing and then delete it four hours later and feel like it, you were sure it was doing what you needed? I haven't heard anybody say yes, because if you did, we'd all laugh, because you can't. You go in there, GP update slash force, and you do that again and again. You try to make the thing work, right? Within 24 hours, you're sure it's going to work. And when you manage it all year long, that server's going to live for years, that's great. It's a great free tool. But these traditional workloads are not great for, let's say I spin up 10,000 servers, and then I delete them four hours later. Not only is there a matter of, of, for example, discovering the servers, adding them, installing the agent, all that work, um, but then there's the aspect of um, having that uh, license cost. I just spun up 10,000 servers, now I delete 10,000 servers. But they don't give me my 10,000 licenses back, they don't give me the money back, do they? No, they don't. And so my point is, we want uh, tools that can handle this space where we create a server and maybe delete it an hour later. We want that server to be managed for that hour. We also want to be able to spin up 10,000 or 20,000 servers and have it scale to manage at that level. Uh, another thing we want, that you want, uh, is to manage more platforms, not just Windows, not just Linux, not doing both, but only doing one well. You want it to be equal. Um, and so that is what we've tried to build with EC2 Systems Manager.
So EC2 Systems Manager manages both Linux and Windows, enables automated uh, configurations, and the best part about it is, well, if that's not good enough, it's free. Right? So there's no additional charge to using EC2 Systems Manager. It is actually paid for by the EC2 team. But you don't have to run it on EC2. You can run and manage your on-premises servers. You can manage your servers that are in someone else's cloud as well. So let's talk about the, the main benefits we tried to hit with Systems Manager. The first thing is hybrid. We can manage servers that are in your data center. We can manage servers that are in someone else's cloud. And we can manage servers on our cloud. So that's one piece. Another piece is cross-platform. And what we mean by that is not mainframes. The agent is open source, so have at it. Return that to the community, thank you. Um, but you know, as far as running it on Linux and Windows, it's, the agent is there for both. If, I've seen people run it on Raspberry Pis to manage their Pis. Great tool for that. So cross-platform is there. Scalability. Thousands and tens of thousands of servers can be managed all at the same time. From a secure standpoint, we do an encrypted tunnel of the data of what's going to manage in there. And so it's a secure environment. We're going to try to tell you today and show you how to raise the bar in your security in the Amazon Cloud with Systems Manager as well. Another piece is the easy automation. And then we've talked a little bit about TCO. It's a, it's a reasonably priced product being free. So Systems Manager is made up of seven components. And just to run through them, they're run command, which was the first component released two years ago. And then the next six uh, things, which were released about a year ago. State Manager, Maintenance Window, Parameter Store, Inventory, Patch Manager, and Automation. We'll go through each one of those individually. We're going to start with run command, as it is kind of the basis and the most important thing here. Run command runs with root privilege on Linux. It runs with local system on Windows. Local system is better than running as administrator, right? We can do anything to the box. And so it's an agent that runs at those levels, and you execute and perform stuff on the server, whether you add software, make configuration changes, whatever you want to do, it can do. It has the rights to. We can easily define what we're going to have it do, either with scripts or by doing JSON templates in these documents. We'll take a look at this in a minute. Um, another great feature of this is I can delegate who's allowed to do what to that server. And I can log all of it. So I can see who's made changes, what time the changes happened, uh, all that logging, as well as what changes happened. So the, where we can raise the bar from security is we can eliminate the need for SSH or RDP. We don't need it. As a matter of fact, we can turn it off. What's happened in the past if you turned off SSH or RDP on your instance? You were locked out. With this, we can, we can get you back in. If you ever lost your key for your Windows machine and you couldn't log into the thing because you couldn't get the password, we can use this to get in. And we'll go through some of these things today. So with run command, with that shell script, I can manage anything on that server, files, settings, config files, registry. I configure firewall rules, um, install updates, patches. One of the biggest, biggest things I hear from customers when we go over this is about patches. Evidently, patching is kind of a pain for you guys. That's what I'm hearing. 
just, just kind of, I guess. Uh, but that is actually where I'm seeing the most. The other thing is we don't have our own DSL or our own language of how you uh, create and edit and change things on the server. We use PowerShell. We use a, uh, a, command, a bash command shell. We use Ansible cell desired state configuration. We use others' tools so you don't have to recreate a tool. You can just take your, your things that you've already built. So let's talk about the way it works. The way it works, I haven't ran this past marketing, um, so I'm glad the re video is recording this. The SSM agent runs on every server. And for those of you who are familiar with the remote access Trojan, a rat, it's like a remote access Trojan, except not the evil part in here. Um, so that agent runs, and it reads from your AWS fabric. It's per region. And so each region of your AWS fabric would be your command and control server. And you put documents in that command and control server of what you want that machine to do. Install software, delete software, do patches. It reads that, and then it executes that. So it, uh, if you think about it, it's a lightweight agent, and you can do that whether it's on-premises, no matter where it runs, if it can see that fabric controller, if it can see its, its you know, management server there, you can have it do anything. So the agent itself, um, it's an open source agent. You can download it and install it on, on machines. Uh, it's already installed in the Windows images on AWS, and it's already installed in the Amazon Linux images on AWS. So if you're using the pre-built images, the AMIs, uh, it's already there. The open source piece is kind of interesting. This is the first time I actually uh, ever troubleshot something. I was trying to um, uh, do something that came up with an error that was an error minus one. So of course, that's an easy one to figure out. Even a Bing or Google search of that turned up you know, useless. But I was able to actually go through the source code and search for it and found the exact point. I thought I knew what it was, and that confirmed it. It was root cause. It took about two minutes to figure out with that, which um, really nice to have the open source for that. In addition, as I mentioned, you can compile it and put it on your other, other uh, pieces because the code is there. I did not put a more detailed description of what minus one could have been to tell you guys what it is, but had I done that and uploaded it, there's a good chance that we would have accepted that as a change that any of us could do, and then that would be added to the, uh, to the code. So you can make changes and help us move that agent along if there's things that you think it's lacking. Okay, let's take a look at the design of the environment, right? We have run command, which is a special agent that does the work, and then we have documents that tell us what work to do. Those documents are JSON files, one day YAML files as well. And with that, we have state manager, inventory, patch manager, maintenance, windows, automation, all fold and support that. And then we have a unique one in parameter store, which is a, a parameter store which holds our important parameters, whether they're keys or passwords, and can offer them up and can be utilized here. They can also be utilized in other spaces as well. And we'll take a look at that at the end. If we look at these documents, the documents right now are, are basically JSON files. And so if I look at the schema, I know it talks about the schema version, it talks about what it's going to do, and then it's got the main steps. If you're looking at this one, anybody know what this does? Right at the bottom. 
installs a Windows feature. I don't have anything to give away, so sorry. Um, so what this, this is a very simple document. We'll take a look at a document that I built uh, in a second. Uh, what this document does is it does some work for the, managing the traditional uh, remote access and raises the bar a little bit on our security level. So traditionally, what we would do to get in and manage a server, this is for a Windows server, we would, the best practice is to set up a remote desktop gateway, have a secure connection to that remote de desktop gateway, and use that as a jump server to then RDP to the servers inside. Okay, and that is still the best practice, but we can do one better. We can get rid of the entire aspect. We can close the ports, get rid of RDP, and still manage those servers um, using Systems Manager. And I'll show you, actually, you can use Systems Manager to turn those things off. So let's take a look at Run Command and, and Systems Manager in general. All right, on my desktop here, I am logged into the console. And under Services, you go to EC2. In the EC2 space here, Systems Manager is all the way down at the bottom, and we have several things down here. We have the run command, we have state manager, the configuration compliance, the automations, patch compliance, and base patch lines. Then the next piece down is managed instances, activations, documents, maintenance window, parameter store, and patches. These are all the pieces of Systems Manager. So we're going to start. Um, we'll go into run command here. And actually, before we go run a command, um, I've already got in, in, uh, a connection to a server here that I have up and running, one of my servers. So I'm RDP'd into the server, and I can manage this server. Uh, let's go SSH into one of my Linux instances as well. So if we look at what uh, instances I'm running, I've got a, a, a web fleet here running web servers. I've got both Windows and Linux instances. Um, we'll pick this one here, and we'll connect up to him. So I'll just SSH into this guy. All right. Now we just need a bash shell. So I'll run bash. And then I'll SSH into it. Woohoo, we're in. Isn't that exciting? All right, so um, now we've got those, both those remote connections in. Let's go take a look at a document that's going to turn off that remote management for me. So if we look at the documents, we've got a bunch of documents here from Amazon, things like apply patch baseline, things like... Um, Oh, gather software inventory. But we see that some are commands, some are automation. This one's a policy. That's important because what we want to do is run a run command. They have to come from a command template. Now, the, the default command templates that I run all the time uh, for the Linux boxes is I run a shell script. And for the Windows boxes, I run a PowerShell script, which is... I could see uh, right here, PowerShell script. So if we look at both of these, I can actually show you what the document looks like by hitting the content here. And it's that same thing. We've got a schema version. 
we've got what it does and the commands that you enter. So if I were to run a run command of run PowerShell, that's the text of what it does, and I can actually just paste commands into that section. So for example, if I go back up to run command and run a PowerShell script, there's run PowerShell script. I have to select instances that it's going to hit. Let me just select um, that Windows instance and then a command that to, to run in there. Let me go uh, choose a command. I've got some stuff here. This one enables RDP. So basically this one basically enables the firewall uh, or disables the firewall, allowing um, remote desktop through. Um, it also goes and changes the uh, uh, RDP to be turned on, then it stops the service and starts the service. And it does it, it checks to see. So if it's, uh, if it's actually run, if I just paste this command in here and hit run, now it just ran it on the machine. If I hit the command ID, it'll bring up, and look at that, it was fast, it did it already, it's success. I can click on the output, and I can view the output, and basically it says RDP was already enabled. So I, I didn't turn it on because my script actually checked to see if it was turned on, it already is, so it just gave me a message uh, and quit. Okay, so that's how I run a, a command. What if I wanna run something that turns it off? I can do the same thing. I can go cut and paste my scripts in there, or what I've done is I've written a document myself. So notice all these documents, the owner is Amazon, except for this one, because this one's my document. And if we look at this document, I'll switch over to uh, something that might be a little bit easier to see, hopefully. Um, I'll zoom in a little bit. So it's got the schema description. It says, all right, for the Windows machines, if the platform is Windows, run this. And then basically I run that PowerShell script we looked at. And then I've got another one that says, hey, if you're Linux, then run a disable SSH command instead. And if we look at that, it's basically doing the same thing as the PowerShell command, as it looks to see if the uh, service is running, the SSH service, and then it basically does an SSH stop. And it writes out some, some notes to us so that we can see it happen. So all I have to do then is target. So I select this document. Uh, let's go to run command. I select my document. And then I select instances. Now I can manually select the instances or I can specify a tag, right? If I, if I specify a tag, I can do things like uh, platform. You know, these are tags that I've added, right? These are freeform tags. But I've labeled all of my um, Windows machines platform equals Windows and all my Linux machines platform equals Linux. So I can target based on that. But I'm going to actually do this and, and manually specify and just take them all. So I've grabbed all my Linux and my Windows machines that I have running here that I'm managing, and I don't have to put anything else in there. I just hit run because all the code is built into my document, right? So if I look at this command ID, we see that one ran already. Others are in progress. If I hit refresh, still this one's running, but the others have succeeded. Hit refresh again. This one's still running, but the others have succeeded. 
For some reason, this one hasn't succeeded yet, but the others have. We'll come back to that one in a second. Let's go take a look at, um, let's take a look at this guy up here. If we look at the output, we can see that there's both the disable command of RDP and the disable of SSH command. If we look at this one, it says RDP was enabled and now it's gonna disable it. So it basically stopped the service, made the changes and then restarted it. All right, so, and it disabled the firewall rule because you guys saw the commands that we ran, right? So this one actually turned that off. If we look at a Linux box, Let's see about uh, maybe this one. Oh, actually, I didn't show you the Linux on that either. Let me, that's RDP as well. Let me show you the, the disable SSH, which happens on Windows, right? It says step execution skip this because it's not Linux. So it, that's a, a systems uh, manager uh, message there. And what about this one here? All right, so on the Linux side, it's got stopping SSH. It did, okay. SSH daemon is stopped by SSM, which is the message I wrote in there. All right. And now even the last one there, success, it's been, been removed. Now if we switch back to our RDP session, it says your desktop session has been ended. Huh, okay. So that happened. What's going to happen on my bash shell session? Anybody know? Let's do who am I? Oh. It did kick me out. Usually, it says right failed broken pipe. Usually, you don't necessarily get kicked out of SSH right away. For some reason, I did here. But you can't establish another SSH connection. SSH connection, you can't because it's, it's not there. It's not open and running. So I, ran, I did that with a run command. Now, I might want to do that with state manager and tell it to run, oh, every six hours. That way, if someone, one of my admins, goes in and turns on remote access, I can continually have it remove that access. So I don't have any ports, any port 3389 sitting there open and waiting for people to jump into. Ooh, ah, that's the common thing I hear on these things. All right, pretty cool, huh? Next piece, patch manager. Um, patch manager, like I said, patches are the one thing I hear most from customers because it's a real big pain point. And we can set custom policies, we can specify which patches you want to install, and we can even set baselines of compliance so that if it varies, you can either have it install the patch or you can have it warn you, hey, this thing is not in compliance and is varied from our patch baseline and, and so you can just do the reports on it, but not fix it. Uh, another thing patch, uh, patching can do for us is it can um, make sure that uh, we don't patch in the middle of production. We can put it in a maintenance window. And we'll talk more about maintenance windows in a minute. But this is what I do to create a patch uh, uh, environment, is I create a patch baseline. I define what patches we'll install. Then I create a maintenance window. This is when it's allowed to run so that I don't have the servers reboot in the middle of the workday. When the maintenance windows executes, then it does auditing to see whether or not it's applied patches, whether things are in compliance or out of compliance. And so those are the common steps in, in patching. 
Another tool very similar is inventory. I can go and schedule this to run, and I can have it run either, it's very light, so you really don't have to have it run in a maintenance window. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, lightweight thing because it collects stuff off of the machines, but it pulls out of you know, the registry and out of config files what's been installed to that machine. It doesn't go and search the hard drive for what's been installed. Anybody know why we don't scour the hard drives as fast as we can to see what's been installed? If you've ever had a package that does that, like I've worked at companies that wrote those until we realized we just killed the performance of that machine as we used up all the IOPS searching for those files. Um, that is why we do it in a lightweight, and that's why you can do it right in the middle of production. There's also a customizable aspect to this, that anything you want to look for and, and collect, you can put into a file, into a JSON text file, and we'll suck that up too and report on that. But that you have to do. You either specifically go look for it, or you could search the entire hard drive and put everything in there and kill your performance. Um, but that's up to you. So this is, is very customizable because you can, you can collect and, and uh, report on anything. Um, but by default, we're going to grab the OS instance details. We're going to grab uh, software that's installed, the network configuration, all those types of things. Uh, what would this be useful for? Well, one thing would be auditing, find out what's running in your environment. Another thing would be finding out if you have any zero-day exploits. You know, something hits the news about this version of bind and it's, you know, got this horrible, easy thing to exploit and you better patch soon. Well, are we running that? I can quickly look through my environment and find out if I'm running that. Um, so, and the last thing is we can watch for changes over time. How does it work? Same thing, we've got that agent running on the machines. So that agent reads a document on our, you know, quote, command and control server. It reads that document. The document says, take an inventory and grab this information. You can customize what information it grabs. Once it grabs that information, it sends that information back up to the AWS infrastructure, and we store that in an inventory store. This inventory store is uh, stored on our fabric not in your S3 bucket or any of that stuff. Now, you can put that stuff in an S3 bucket as well and do more manipulation of that data, but you can run this without having to incur any charges. Um, and so I can pull that. Another thing I can do then, which will incur charges, is I can connect that up to AWS Config, which watches for all changes in my AWS environment. It will watch for all the changes if I've got this SSM inventory turned on it will watch for those changes that happen on each one of my instances as well, and it'll keep track of all of that. Now, that will, uh, storage will cost money, but it gives us a lot of really cool things to be able to track what's changed on our machines. So, a maintenance window is setting a time for something to run. And so, it works out really well with patches. I could certainly use it with inventory, but I set up a maintenance window usually of, hey, you know, run the patches. Oh, don't do it on the second Tuesday of every month for my Windows machines. Let's do it on the third Saturday or Sunday of every month, right? Give it a little bit of time for other people to hit the roadblocks and get the, make sure that anything that's going to, you know, really kill stuff gets found first and gets fixed. And then let's apply it. I, I don't want to wait too long, but I don't want to do it immediately. Or maybe you do want to do it immediately. That's up to you. But if I set that maintenance window, I can have it happen on a time that I, that I want it to happen. 
So let's take a look at uh, defining inventory and some of that inventory work, what I can do with that. First thing I'm going to do is go look at my managed instances. So this is a list of every instance that I, I, I can see and manage from this command and control server. If I want to uh, take a look at an individual one, I can click on that instance itself. That would be helpful if I let you see what I'm looking at. Thank you. Again, if I had stuff to throw out, you would definitely get something for that. Just imagine in your head what you can now see. So under Managed Instances, I've got a list of all my instances here. Um, if I want to filter and see, for example, um, let's say about applications, uh, let's go look at the oh, application name uh, starts with or begins with uh, bind. These are the servers that have an application that begin with bind installed on them. So if I want to select one of these, I can actually uh, go bring that up in its inventory. I can filter uh, and, and look for different types of stuff like application information. I can look for uh, network information. So I have this different type of information. Here, I'm going to take a look at this application information. Here's a bunch of different apps that are installed on this machine. I specifically, in this case, am going to look for bind. And here we see that I have bind version 9.8.2. Oh, good. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to worry about that zero day. Whew. Awesome. Right? But this is the kind of stuff I can pull. Now, there's more than that, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about how do I set this up. To turn on inventory, you just have to tell it to go search and grab inventory. So at the top here is a button that says set up inventory. So it doesn't matter what I have selected here. I hit set up inventory. It's going to grab a document. As a matter of fact, it's grabbing a document that's a policy file. And the policy is, is the AWS gather in software inventory policy. Now I specify my targets. I can specify them by tags like we showed before, or I can just grab the instances themselves. And I can schedule when that runs. When do I want that to go? Here, well, let's do that. We can do it every 30 minutes. I can do that every 12, let's do it every eight hours. I can do it every day, you know, every Sunday at 1 a.m. And then what are we grabbing here? I've got turned on, grab application information, grab the AWS component information, grab the networking config, grab the Windows updates, instance details, services, Windows roles, and custom inventory. I can also turn off one piece, and then it will just gr not grab that piece. So I hit set up inventory, and it sets up the inventory. Now that is going to run uh, every eight hours. So I've got 14 targets that I'm going against. They're pending. Kind of like um, uh, the cooking shows, right? I've already got this baked. So let's go take a look at what I've already built out. Um, if we go into config, which is AWS config, I'm going to open this in another tab. 
And so in AWS Config, it, it will record, I have it recording everything that happens so I can see if you break into my account and make some change. It records that, unless of course you delete it. So I better not, better not let you get into the admin credentials or full, full control. Um, but I use multi-factor auth, so you shouldn't be able to, and then you should as well. What I want here is the SSM managed instance inventory. So if I click on that, it brings up all the instances that I have and all the information I'm, I've got on these things. So let me go down and bring up one of these. Let's see here. This is a Windows machine. In this Windows machine, if I look, um, it's got every day that something changed, it makes a note. So if we look at October 26th, there was a change. October 28th, there was a change. November 25th, there was a change. November 26th, there was a change. And there was a change today. Is today this 27th? Yeah. All right, so yesterday, I told all my instances to update their agents, their SSM agent, because that's one of the things I can do. And so if we look at this, this, under changes, is going to say the AWS instance, uh, the agent version for SSM actually changed from 2.2.58.0 to 2.2.93.0. All right, makes sense. I told it to update the agent yesterday. That's great. But you know what? I hadn't touched this stuff until yesterday for a little bit. So um, what do you think changed on the 25th? Well, let's go look, right? It's a good idea. If you can see this, AWS Windows Update KB3170455. All right, it installed security updates and then just regular updates. Huh, it did a Windows Update. When did this run? This ran at 5 o'clock on Saturday, this past Saturday. Why do you think it ran at 5 o'clock this past Saturday? That's my, wait, my maintenance window to do patching. Oh, well, that's cool. So my patches didn't apply on the second Tuesday. They applied this past Saturday. Nice. All right, let's go back to some slides. But I will take oohs and ahs if you want to. That's just fine. They're encouraged. That is as good as my humor gets. It doesn't get any better. So you might as well laugh. All right, automation. Automation is another piece that we have in here. And in the automation, we can do things such as create AMIs. We can do things such as turn off my instances, delete my instances. So maybe you want to stop your instances every weekend because nobody's doing any work on the weekend anyway. And then we can save the cost over Saturday and Sunday. So I can stop my instances. That's one piece. That's pretty cool. Uh, one of the bigger pains we've heard from people is AMI management, your custom image creation in an enterprise, and taking that and keeping that updated. Well, we can automate the whole thing. We can have it that when, you know, patches, when we, when we at Amazon release a new AMI, you can start with that as your base image. That's already all patched for that month. You put all your corporate apps on there and whatever else you need to do, and then create your image off of that. And in Windows, you always have to start from scratch because Windows has uh, an issue with, you know, sysprep, lets you sysprep the thing five times, 
before rearming, right? And then seven times, I think, when you rearm. Is that the right numbers? Um, but you can't re-image a Windows machine forever. So you always got to start from, you know, kind of a semi-recent base. So this makes it easy, reproducible, and I could do it with one click. Heck, I could set something up that I receive a text that Amazon just updated the images, the patches, and I could have that kick it off, and I could never have to touch it. It can replace the old Omni with the new one, and then make that uh, old one the, uh, the, the old piece that we don't use anymore. Anyway, automating services, automation is a great tool uh, to make life easier. State Manager, I think about it very much like group policy. State Manager is not an intelligent tool going, oh, I see somebody did something. What it's doing is it's saying, you said you want the firewall rules set to this all the time. Every time I run, I'm going to go through and change the config files to set the firewall rule to whatever you've set. Just like group policy does, right? Group policy brings down these settings, changes registry files, and sets it the same way every time it runs. That's what State Manager does. And you can configure it and use it for updating your malware definitions. You can use it for configuring firewall rules, avoiding compliance drift. Anything you can think of, it's a, it's a tool that, that allows you to schedule and continually repeat those updates. Now, Parameter Store. Parameter Store is our tool that really isn't tied into anything else in, in Systems Manager, and you could use it in other things. It's a great tool that lets me store parameters, names and passwords, or uh, the password is the important part. If I need to store it at rest encrypted, I can turn that on as well, and it will be encrypted at rest. If I have this in the run command environment, it's really simple to pull the details out if it's unencrypted. Basically, I put a little bracket, bracket, SSM colon, and then whatever tag I made, and then bracket, bracket. When it runs, it replaces that with whatever text I put in there for the secret. So let's say I want to install databases, and I don't want to put my password in the script, because maybe people can read those scripts, and I don't want them to have the password to the databases. That's easy to do. Or better yet, let's say I have a bunch of scripts that use that password. I want to change that password. What do I have to do? Go to all those scripts and change it? I'm sure you could write a grep thing and do it you know, programmatically, but how about just change it in the parameter store and you don't have to change any of your scripts? So parameter store is really cool and we can grab those things right out of run command, right out of state manager, right out of the automation service, and then anything else you want to grab it from, you can use the AWS CLI to grab it. The other thing is if you need to encrypt them at rest, the AWS CLI is the way to pull that out today. So if I have to grab a, something that I've encrypted to unencrypt it, I use the AWS CLI to pull that parameter and unencrypt it. So yeah, we're talking about raising your security profile. Let's go take a look at raising your security profile. We're gonna go take some and, and create some parameters. We'll go and change passwords on my, all my Windows machines and to take care of that, it's rather simple and easy. So let's take a demo uh, of that. This time I'll remember to switch over because it's probably better that way. So we go back to the console and let's go to 
EC2 Systems Manager. Which is down on the bottom left, and we'll choose Parameter Store. This is my Parameter Store. If I want to create a parameter, I create it, I give it a name. This is my name. All right, so this is my name. What value do we want to give it? Anyone? All right, same thing. This is my name. Not all that imaginative, but I asked you because I'm... Oh, did I get it wrong? Yes. Well, I was going to say I'm really unimaginative. That's why I asked you guys, but you were more imaginative. Sorry, I didn't catch it. Um, I'll just leave it at this. Now I create the parameter. Now if we look at that parameter, uh, that was, this is my name, and here's the value. And if we look at the history, well, there's only one. But if we look up here, I've got history for admin pass. I've got actually five different versions of admin pass. So I've changed this thing a couple of different times here. As a matter of fact, you can see when I changed it. Oh, and you can see who the user was that changed it. So this was my first version of that password, my second, my third, my fourth, my current. So if I go look at that, that's this password right here. Look at that. So how, how do we use this? Let's take a look at a script. Now, before I, I talk more about this script, you can read it while I, while I talk about this. I was building a demo in, in, the, in the cloud, and I had used the password pass at word one, and I had it out on the internet. I was RDP'd in it, and I'm setting it up, and it was going to be for a class. And as I'm working in it, all of a sudden it said, this, the administrator logged you out and logged in, and my RDP session closed. Well, but that was my VM that I just created not too long ago, and I'm the only one who knew about it. So what do you think happened? Any hackers in the room? Raise your hand. No, we don't have any hackers in the room. Okay, good. Um, a hacker logged in, you know, there's tools like TS Grinder and stuff that search the internet for people who use really bad passwords on terminal services. Somebody found mine. And so I quickly started up my remote desktop again, logged back in as me, and they got the message, you were logged out by the administrator. And then I went, how do I change my password? And I'm like, I know it's not control alt delete because that does my local machine. I want to do a control alt delete remotely over over the RDP. Anybody know that one? Control alt insert. Is that what you said? Control alt end. Control alt insert works too. I didn't know control alt end worked. But I could not remember for the for the life of me. So I brought up a command prompt and said, "I'm going to do it from DOS from from a command prompt." And then I drew a blank as well. You know what the command is? net space user space administrator and then whatever the new password is and then all of a sudden my machine got logged out again and when i tried to log in again i couldn't log in anymore they took it away from me they owned it they, they changed the password they, they knew how to change it i don't know which one they used but they changed it on me so what did i do i went back to the console and i hit kill that server <laughs> and they got nothing 
but I had to start over from scratch. And this time I didn't use pass at word one as my password um, because they were, had that in their dictionary. Um, anyway, long story short, or long story long, but uh, what we're going to use is NetSpace user space administrator to set my password on all my Windows boxes. So now I don't need my keys to get my password, and I can set it across all of them to the exact same password to make it easy for me. And so I'm going to use the NetSpace administrator, and then I'll also echo it in the log what I just did. So I'm going to copy this, and I'll go use a run command to execute that. Run a command, and we're going to choose what? PowerShell. All right, so I'm running a PowerShell script, and I paste in my commands. Will this work? If I hit run, it's going to fail because I didn't select any servers to run it against yet. So what I'm going to run it on is, let's go specify a tag. I'll specify a tag because it doesn't make sense to run this on my Linux boxes. So I'm going to say my platform equals Windows. If I can find Windows, there we go. So on every Windows instance, I want this to run and change the password. So if I hit run, let's go take a look real quick. Yep, it is running on a bunch of machines. It succeeded on two already. The others are in progress. If I hit refresh, there we go. One's still in progress. The rest are done. One of them is slow. But let's go take a look at the output. So if I view the output, it says the command completed successfully. And then it's my little note that says, you just, you just had SSM change the admin password two, and then it gives this. No flash photography, please. Um, as these are live machines you could break into. Um, so on all of my Windows machines, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and hopefully eight. Mm, not eight yet. Um, I've changed my password on all of them except for this last one, which I should troubleshoot at some other time. That guy shouldn't take so long. Something's up with him. But not bad, huh? Change my password? You see people cameras going at it? So if you think about that, hugely, hugely beneficial to be able to change that. I can have my passwords you know, set to run at a, you know, using State Manager, for example, just like I was doing inventory, I can go and have my passwords set to that every eight hours if I'm worried about people changing passwords or any of that kind of stuff. Don't know that we need that. That seems overkill, but really cool that we can remove people from being able to RDP in. If we need to turn it on, we can. But the better thing about managing your servers, why use RDP or SSH? Why not just have the agent do all the work? And that way, we close the ports. We have no ports to access or to run TS Grinder against uh, for people to attack. We have, they're completely, can, they don't need to have, um, you know, actually, the network itself doesn't need to be accessible by the internet. They need to be able to browse out and hit that fabric. But other than that, we don't need to have access coming in uh, into the network. So it can hugely benefit our security. The OSs that are supported, 
the OSs that are supported in AWS. Uh, we've got 64-bit, 32-bit systems of Amazon Linux, Ubuntu Server, Red Hat Enterprise, CentOS, Windows Server 2003 through 2016, and the R2 versions, and then the 64-bit systems. As I said before, the agent is already installed on all Amazon Linux AMIs as of about a month or two ago, and all Windows AMIs as of almost a year ago, I think it is. Um, and so it, it should be in there. And if it's not, it's a, there's a simple uh, uh, run command. No, you can't do it for run command, can you? If it's not there yet. There's a simple install script that uh, you would run either from a shell, uh, a Linux shell, or from a PowerShell environment. Basically, it will download the, the code and install it. It's just a few lines. Um, and when you install it, you point it towards what command control server, what environment, what region of your AWS environment you're going to use. It's done uh, very similarly to install the agent on your on-premise servers as well. So that is EC2 Systems Manager uh, with Run Command State Manager, Maintenance Windows, Parameter Store, Inventory, Patch Manager, and Automation. Are there questions? <laughs> 